Welcome to the Not Old Better Show. I'm your host, Paul Vogelzang, and this is episode number 327. Today's show is brought to you by Blinkist. Come fly with me, come fly, we'll fly away. Oh my gosh, do you hear that music? Come fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away. You know, that song was recorded in October 1957. I was about five months old. That is a great nostalgic song for so many of us in the Not Old Better Show audience. As part of our Smithsonian Associates Art of Living interview series for Smithsonian's Year of Music program, today on the Not Old Better Show, we will spend a delightful few minutes with the Rat Pack as told by Noah Rothbaum and Philip Green. Of course, the Rat Pack, Frank Sinatra, Sammy Davis, Dean Martin, Joey Bishop, were all part of the swinging high living clan. Authors Noah Rothbaum and Philip Green are with us today to chat about their upcoming Smithsonian Associates program, Toast to the Rat Pack, April 9th, 2019 at the Ripley Center. This is a great interview. We're gonna have fun and we will learn how an informal group of showbiz friends who met up at the Los Angeles home of Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall became a collective smash as entertainers on the Las Vegas casino scene and the definition of 60s style cool on stage and off. Please join me in welcoming to the Not Old Better Show via internet phone, Noah Rothbaum and Philip Green. Noah Rothbaum, Philip Green, welcome to the program. Thanks for having us. Pleasure to be here. This is just going to be an exciting program. Noah Rothbaum, let's start with you. Give us a brief description of your upcoming Smithsonian Associates presentation. Sure. uh, um, Phil Green and I will be talking about the Rat Pack and, you know, sort of how they changed drinking culture in America and around the world. Uh, You know, I think there are a few groups of people who've had that much influence on, you know, what people drink when they were alive and even you know, decades later, um, you know, what people are still drinking because of Frank Sinatra and Sammy Davis Jr. and uh, Dean Martin. Thank you for that, Noah uh, Rothbaum. Philip Green, um, thanks for joining us too. You know, these guys, uh, the Rat Pack, I I love saying that name, Um, these guys, and I suppose Lauren Bacall was part of this, the genuine group of friends. So what, what led to kind of going on beyond the friendship to you know, kind of the Rat Pack, the entertainment group that really so dominated kind of the Vegas casino scene during this period? Well, you probably know this, but there was an evolution of, of Rat Packs. First, it was just a, a casual gathering of, of friends, as you say, and uh, the Holmby Hills, Holmby Hills being a neighborhood of, of uh, Beverly Hills. And you had um, Lauren McCall, Humphrey Bogart, their house was one of those places where, hey, if the lights are on, stop by and have a drink. And you know, Sinatra was going through his issues with um, on again, off again with with um, Ava Gardner. He was, um, you know, in breaking up with his wife, uh, Nancy Barbato. Uh, he was he would often show up and and you know have a drink, hang out. So you, they just sort of collected friends who were in the industry, and you know, from Judy Garland to um, you know it, it, David Niven. You know, they they just had this great group of friends, and there was one legendary uh, weekend where Noel Coward, and you would think, like, <laughs> why would those guys care that much about Noel Coward? Well, Noel Coward was coming to Vegas, so they decided, let's all go to Vegas and give him a good welcome and have a good party. And Sinatra sort of took over, um, not took over leadership yet, but he took over, I'm going to be the ringleader of this weekend. And he, you know, they all met at Bogart's house, and they all got in a rented cars or buses and they headed to the airport and he had 
special armbands or, you know, okay, he had everything choreographed. So, um, but they were, they were this really tight knit group of friends. Now they also sort of saw eye to eye politically, you know, they were all sort of liberal Democrat leaning and they kind of ruffled feathers because there were some conservatives in, in Hollywood, you know, like the modern day Clint Eastwoods or something, uh, Charlton Heston, uh, people like William Holden thought, well, you know, who are these guys who were, you know, the, they're, they're too old to be behaving like that, that sort of thing. But after Bogart's death, um, you, you found Sinatra leading this impromptu group of entertainers. Now, Sammy Davis and Dean Martin were sort of marginally attached to the first group, but the press wanted to find a good name for them, and they called them the Klan. Well, that's not a good name if you have <laughs> right. an African-American right. in there. They called it the Summit because you had these summits that were being held between Khrushchev and Eisenhower, Khrushchev and Kennedy, so they called it the, the, the Summit. But they also like to call them the Rat Pack, or the you know Rat. We would call it 2.0, and Sinatra never really liked that term because Rat Pack was was Bogart's thing, and, and you know they didn't want to he didn't want to recycle the name. But yeah, so it, it it evolved into this iconic group of guys who would film movies during the day and and play play the sands at night and and just have a blast throughout. You know, they'd sleep in. That they. They rarely saw the, the light of day, aside from filming, um, and they, they were night owls. But uh, yeah, it, it was it was a legendary. You know, it's not a pace you could keep up, but but they kept it up for a few years. No, Rothbaum, they, these guys they they were cool in everybody's eyes. They they weren't necessarily beatniks, but they had the '60s swagger. What else was it that made them so cool in, uh, in the time and in everybody's eyes? Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. It, it, you know, it's more than just, you know, that they're movie stars, right? There are a lot of movie stars, you know, then and now. And, and I think part of it was like a whole lifestyle, right? They were the epitome of a certain type of lifestyle that at the time was, you know, they, they helped create and along with, you know, John F. Kennedy. It was the sort of new style for, you know, men and, you know, a certain type of way they dressed and, you know, the music that they were making and listening to and the restaurants and the bars that they were going to. And it was a whole lifestyle that people wanted to aspire to and both men and women. And, you know, what's interesting is that they're able to keep it up for a long time and kind of morph and change with different social trends and mores and then you get to a certain point where you know philip is right they started out as very liberal but at a certain point partially thanks to uh their relationship with john f kennedy and then they're falling out with him they become very conservative and you get you know where they're suddenly out of step where you know sammy davis jr and sinatra you know are supporting conservative candidates and sammy famously you know, does a benefit for Nixon where he hugs him, which is kind of career suicide at the time for many of his fans. And then Sinatra, you know, is a big supporter of Reagan, um, you know, which is quite a shift from his days, you know, stumping for JFK and essentially creating, you know, his, you know, um, when he was um, uh, sworn into office, you know, Sinatra, you know, you know, marshals all of his forces to create all these balls and parties for, for JFK. So, I mean, it's kind of a, an amazing thing how they, they're able to kind of change with the times and then suddenly at a certain point fall out of the times. And then I think you, you get to see them 
towards the end of Sinatra's life, kind of a, uh, uh, you know, they're able to come back, you know, into vogue as sort of this retro thing. Yeah, this is this is Phil. Um, on the topic of the times, it, it, I was thinking about it last night, and these guys were sort of the last vestige of, I would call it older, you know, because you have these generations and generation gaps, but they were sort of the last vestiges of the of an older generation cool, you know, sort of the non-conforming conformist. They still wore jacket and ties. They still had short hair. They still wore a fedora. You know, they still dressed like you know, middle-class dudes, you know, but, but they were, they were cool. And think about, think about the watershed changes that happened in the middle sixties. You know, you had the British invasion, you have the Vietnam war protests, you have hair getting longer and longer and longer and LSD and marijuana and, and, um, you know, the civil rights movements and, and, um, you know, it, it, it was sort of the, it's kind of like 10 years ago, we, we were watching Mad Men because we wanted to, you know, it was that suit and tie cool that we all thought was cool. But, you know, it, that show evolved and you saw the sideburns getting longer and things like that. But, um, you know, looking back on American history or American popular cultural history, you see, you see rock and roll coming along in the 50s. Well, Sinatra and, and Tony Bennett and Bobby Darren and Dean Martin, those guys had to weather the storm um, of Chuck Berry and Little Richard and R&B and, and Elvis, of course. Um, and they could only fight the good fight so long until, you know, the Who and the Beatles and the Kinks and the Rolling Stones and Led Zeppelin and Woodstock and everything else just sort of came in wave after wave after wave. And, and all of a sudden they were the older generation and maybe they fell out of cool. And then, as Noah says, they became retro cool again because everything old is new again. You know, we're, we're going to repeal day balls every year because we want to think it's the 1920s again, you know. But, uh, yeah, it was sort of that last vestige of of um, p- people who dressed like our parents, but they were still cool notwithstanding. And then, and this is Noah, that definitely, you know, some awkward teenage years for the Rat Pack, right, where... You know, you see, especially you know Sammy Davis Jr. Like, you know, his his style, his personal style. He tries to definitely keep up with every change in society. Candy. You know, whether right, but then it's like bell bottoms and shikis, and you know, he's you know, and you know, to the point where it became like almost a joke later in life for him to sort of make fun of all of the different outfits and he was like a famous clothes horse spending you know lavishly on the latest fashions and in his you know his personal fashion definitely changes with the time and you know sometimes that works for him sometimes it seems you know maybe not the best decision satorily for him to have worn some of the stuff that he's worn um and then you get even you know people you know Sinatra you know works with you know Quincy Jones at a certain point to produce an album. So I mean it wasn't for a lack of trying to keep their cool, but you know sometimes it, was, it felt kind of forced. You know like your parents trying to you know drop the latest jargon and you know um, sayings and you know listening to to different music and, and wearing new clothes. I mean sometimes it works. You know it's you know it's filled said often what your parents did isn't cool but what your grandparents did is cool hi it's paul we'll be right back with our guests noah rothbaum and philip green in our salute to the rat pack 
You know, we're talking nostalgia today, of course, and 60s, cool. I love nostalgia, but I love learning about new things too. And for all of us in the Not Old Better Show audience, we know that to keep our brains healthy, we need to recall those nostalgic moments and we must stretch our brain, give it a workout, which we can do through learning new things. For me, I learn by reading and my learning is greatly enhanced and even expedited with a new app I highly recommend called Blinkist. I'll give the website address in a moment, and importantly, this is not speed reading, but Blinkist offers the need-to-know information from thousands of non-fiction books and condenses them down in just a 15-minute read that you can either read or listen to, but most of all, you're going to learn. You learn what you want, and you'll want to know more. Blinkist is made by busy people like our Not Old Better Show audience, and 8 million people are using Blinkist, all of whom want to get the main points of the books quickly and then decide about reading more. With an audio feature, Blinkist makes it so easy to finish four books a day doing stuff you normally do with the companionship of Blinkist. So far, among the popular books I've read, which I highly recommend, The Memory Place. The Science of Why, A New Earth, The Snowball, The Warren Buffett, and The Business of Life book. I hope you'll give the app a try. The free seven-day trial is a great way to find out if you like the app and whether you want to pay for such a service because that's exactly what I did. I like Blinkist because I used the app for free for a while and then I decided to go with a paid subscription because that's how much I fell in love with it. And I hope you'll do the same. I think it's a great way to consume more knowledge in less time, which we are all interested in doing, if we're being honest with ourselves. Enjoy Blinkist and keep reading, learning, and getting better. The Not Old Better Show. And right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. So go to Blinkist.com N-O-B-S to start your free seven-day trial. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com N-O-B-S to start your free seven-day trial. Blinkist.com slash N-O-B-S. And now back with our guests, Noah Rothbaum and Philip Green, and a salute to the Rat Pack. Hey, everybody. We are back with our guests, Noah Rothbaum and Philip Green. Thanks again for joining us, guys. Do you think the offstage persona, the the boozing, high living, that swinging <laughs> style was was for real? And do you think the partying caught up to them? And I guess what role did all the partying play in this, in the Rat Pack's persona? I, I think it was just sort of this, just Phil, um, yeah, I think it was just sort of that, wouldn't you want to be me? You know, I'm, I'm out here with different broads. I'm out here with my buddies, living my best life, you know, in the middle of a performance to roll out a bar cart and, and say, let's toss a salad guys, or let's, let's make a drink. And, and they're able to, they're able to kill it. You know, they're, they're, putting out great records they're hanging with the president they're they're making movies oceans 11 and and you know one after another and it's and it's it's all good you know they're so it it was very appealing but but just like you know the movie almost famous you know like who wouldn't want to be a rock star in the 70s um to have that lifestyle so it's it's you know we we all we all aspire to be these these celebs with this crazy you know, lifestyles of the rich and famous, and yeah, they they just they they executed it 
so perfectly. So, I mean, it, there is this, no, there's obviously a real debate about some of them, you know, like, you know, you know, did Dean Martin drink at all? You know, there is like one school of thought was that, you know, his inebriation was like, you know, this sort of classic, you know, trope, like this act, you know, where he would appear to be drunk and that was like the long running joke, or maybe he really was drunk all the time. You know, that's the other school. Um, you know, at certain points, you know, uh, Sammy Davis Jr. tries to, you know, is supposed to stop drinking at certain points, you know, for health reasons and gives up drinking for, for a while. I mean, definitely in later life, certainly caught up with, with some of them health-wise. Um, but, you know, Sinatra, when he dies, he's buried with a bottle of Jack Daniels. That that actually happened. That was his favorite thing. Um also, I think with like a, you know, I think it's a quarter or a dime in his pocket so he could make phone calls. But, you know, I think at a certain point, it definitely began to catch up with him. How could it not all of these decades of partying? Um, uh, but, you know, they certainly <laughs> they certainly held on for a long time. The, the movie that comes to mind to me that crossed a couple of generations here, uh, Breakfast Club film, almost a forced version of the Rat Pack with Rob Lowe and and Jed Nelson and Molly, uh, Molly Ringwald, uh, yeah. Andrew McCarthy. <laughs> yeah, it, it never really stuck. Rat Pack, right? Right. Yeah. So what what was it that that these guys had that today's Hollywood can't? Talent? Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Yeah, it, it no, it's... you know, it's certainly talent. I mean, I, I, I'm not saying Rob Lowe and those guys didn't have talent. They did. But I think telling you this is the new Rat Pack, it just makes it harder when it's shoved down mm-hmm. your throat. But, mm-hmm. um, no, you look, and it's funny. If, Noah was talking about, the you know, the career, you know, um, you know, the forks in the road that these guys took to try to stay current. My first and long-lasting impression of uh, Sammy Davis was The Candyman, which is, what, which is just an awful song. But that's, that's what I knew about Sammy Davis for 20 years, probably. You know, the song I heard in seventh grade. You listen to some of his, his work from this era, that, you know, in the 60s, and it's, he, what talent that guy had. He was amazing. You know, I've got a lot of living to do or lush life or um, – you got to because he's almost like a gymnast where he's always sticking the landing. He 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 just comes down perfectly with every note. Um, Sinatra throughout the fifties, you know, with Capitol Records, um, his his swing albums, his mood albums. Dean Martin with This Time I'm Swinging and um, Pretty Baby and it's just you know great stuff. So the, the the chops were there, and then they were also able to act well enough. But I don't know that you know the Brad Pack, you know. They were they were good looking, you know, twenty somethings. But I don't know that they had the full package the way the way those guys did. I don't know. I mean, I, it's no, I agree with you, Philip. Like, I think it was a lot of hard work. You know, like the you know Sinatra and Sammy Davis Jr. and Dean Martin, and they made it look easy, right? They made it look like it was just all you know a bunch of fun. But uh, you know, before James Brown, I'd say that they were the hardest men hardest working men in show business, you know, doing, you know, hundreds of dates a year, you know, in clubs in Vegas, you know, all of the different things that you're doing. And, you know, they're, they're so good at it that, you know, people don't even realize that they're, how hard they're working and, and how much talent they had. So, I mean, I kind of see it as like the difference between, 
the Beatles and the Monkees, right? Like, you know, <laughs> the Monkees were kind of the manufactured version of the Beatles, and you know, they made some good music, but it wasn't quite the same thing as they the Beatles. And, exactly. And it's, you know, and, and also the, you know, the difference between the Rat Pack and the Brat Pack was the Rat Pack, I think they were genuine friends, you know, they were, they actually wanted to spend time with each other, whereas the Brat Pack, I mean, I think some of them knew each other, but it was definitely, you know, they made movies together, but it wasn't quite the same, you know, sort of friend unit that had developed organically where, you know, it, it was something that had sort of been forced upon them by the studios, by, you know, the media, by their fans. Noah Rothbaum, Philip Green, thanks so much for your time. This is going to be a great program, really, uh, the Rat Pack and a toast to the Rat Pack coming up on April 3rd at Smithsonian Associates. Thanks so much. Best to you guys. And uh, maybe as some of these other projects come to fruition, we can have you back. I'd love to come back. Thanks, Noah Rothbaum. Thanks, Philip Green. I appreciate your time. And this is going to be a great event, April 3rd, the Rat Pack, a toast to the Rat Pack, Smithsonian Associates. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Remember, Noah Rothbaum and Philip Green will be presenting at the Smithsonian Associates Year of Music series titled A Toast to the Rat Pack, a spirited look at the lifestyles and cocktails. April 3rd, 2019, 6.45 p.m. at the Ripley Center. Thanks again to Blinkist for sponsoring the show today. And thank you so much to Noah Rothbaum and Philip Green for joining me today. And thank you as well to the wonderful Smithsonian team for all they do to support the show. The Not Old Better Show. Talk about better. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>